This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Aid, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, my Jakey Poo and my Mikey Boo Boo. Yay! Still hate that name. Hey, everybody. You can dismiss the rainbow alert. I am back on set. <laughs> I was going to say on the show, but it just, it's fine. It's fine. I'm back. You can stop listening to Aiden and Jay talk about how the good old times when I wasn't here. But I didn't say they were good times at all. They were the best of times. They were the worst of times. They were times in general. That's okay. Um, I'm sorry, Jake. I know you hate that name. I wasn't trying to upset you, but I just missed you so much. I couldn't help myself. Have I told you guys my grand plan? I don't know if I've said this on the show, but when I turn 50, I'm going to stop going by Jake and I'm going to become Jack. Because I think that there's a certain infantilization that goes along with the name Jake. It's it's a youthful, vivacious name. And I'm already feeling the ravages of old age. So I feel like by the time I hit 50, there's just no plausible way I could continue the rigorous requirements of being Jake. And I'll just be old man Jack. What do you think? You think you're positive and youthful right now? <laughs> this is the most positive and youthful I've ever been, let me tell you, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Interest, interestingly enough, with the name Mikey, I have never been called Michael, but that is my Christian name. Even at work, <laughs> everybody calls me Mikey. My customers call me Mikey. So I think about the day that I'm in a nursing home and they're like, is Mikey there? And expecting some kid on a tricycle to just roll up, but it's just me in my wheelchair. So far, you are the sole exception to a rule I have. And this is true for lots of things, most notably the new Scream movie. I never trust a man who has E at the end of their name unless it's their given name, such as like a Gary, right? They have Gary has no choice if that's his you know, last vowel sound, but you've <laughs> chosen that. And look at guys like Richie. When, when men use the E, there's a certain distrustfulness that has to come with it. But you, you're my little unicorn. Aw, thanks. But I didn't pick my name. And not because you're gay, because you're unique, just to be clear. Just, you know, I think there are gayer animals than unicorns, don't worry. Oh, I know, but I thought it was just because of my big horn, but... Foghorn <laughs> uh, leghorn. I did not choose this name. This, this name, name chose was, me! No, my parents chose it. So why are you going to name me something, but call me something else the rest of my life? Neither here nor there, but... It's all just um, pointless, kind of like this movie that we're about to discuss. Ooh, girl, <gasps> don't I know it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just okay. Okay. Which, okay, so for our listeners, I was being accosted today by, by rude text messages from both Jake and Mikey claiming that... Rude? From, I have been so much worse. I was okay. mildly flippant and dismissive, if anything. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, but well, that's true, and you are very curmudgeony. So, if anyone should be calling you Jack now, it's now. But I like Jake because it's like a stark contrast to your actual personality. But I think it's cute. <laughs> but anyway, so all the rude text messages that I was receiving when nobody like wanted to, you know, step up and say, "Hey, I gave Aid a lot of ridiculous movies to watch yeah. over this past year or so, especially with last March's Tro March. And now we're doing Tro April, which I really honestly didn't want to do, but Jake was so excited about it. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to be nice because I feel like I've been like kind of taking over a little bit. And I'm sorry if you guys think that. I like it. Honestly. I'm sorry, listeners, if you think I'm taking over, but that's just kind of in my personality to do that. So if it's too much, just let me know, Jake. No, I've actually been encouraging you to do that since like you were first on because you were like, oh, I could I could come back if you want. And I was like, yes, you are on the show now. 
Like, I guess I could edit. You will edit all of the episodes. And you were like, oh, I guess I could do Instagram. And I will. You will do all of the Instagram. So I don't know if our audience understands what I'm getting at here. I just want the glory and the excuse to watch shitty movies. I don't actually want to do any of the work anymore. So that's all you. That's fine because I'm not married, nor do I have children. So I am the, what is it? The old maid of the group. And therefore it is like bequeathed onto me, right? Is that a word? Bequeath? Bequeath. Yeah. I think it's with the TH, not an F, but we'll go like, ahead and. We, I didn't yeah. say. Okay. Anyways. A vaginal so, air biscuit. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I'm sorry. You said vaginal, right? Not vaginal. Yes. Yeah. Vaginal air biscuit. I'm, I'm trying to think of how I could spell that out for people to pronounce it correctly as you did on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you would like do an eyeball so vag and then dash and then just do i oh so like a vertical eye and then a regular eye you know what i'm saying whispering eye. oh okay oh and well speaking of eyes or whatever did ever did anybody see the new jackass movie yet before we get into the trauma movie because yeah. producer no, chad shares his voodoo with me and so he, he, it was just on my tv and i was like, okay well i guess i'll watch it and then I, I apparently have Paramount Plus that I got for free with my new phone service. So then I was oh. like there too. So I'm like, I had no choice but to watch it. And it was sad because they're all very old and just it aches when you watch it now. Well, I'm sure it aches a lot more for them. I was not expecting <laughs> to look at and I always thought Steve was the cute one. So I'm like, all right, fine. Because Dan was like so happy. He was like a little kid again. I've never seen him so excited ever and he's jumping on the couch with the pillow and he's like i got jackass forever and i'm like that sounds horrible i'm not watching this and he begged me to watch it so i watched it because i never watched it was when it was on it just upset me like i don't want to watch people getting their nads punched as much as i hate men just kidding i don't hate men <laughs> i really don't want to see them hurt themselves right and so i bet I, there's a few men maybe oh. with red hair that you might want to see punch themselves in the nads huh couple a couple, couple. Um, but yeah so I I had to share it and then of course I had to I took the picture and I, I shared it to all of my coworkers or my girls at work because I was like oh you're having a bad day here's Steve-O's taint because I didn't realize that I had to look at Steve-O's taint not once but twice and we haven't even finished yet so it might come up again <laughs> I'm like why is there dick in my face there's so much dick in this there are balls coming through the hole when they're punching the guy's balls. He also shit himself. Yep. Like, what am I watching? And why is this happening? And why am I looking at all of this? Like, and it looks like dirty penis. Like, wash your penis. Yeah. Why is your penis a different color? What's happening? Well, maybe because you've been hitting it for like 50,000 times. And then the guy with the pogo stick on his balls. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. That God. was a that was a scraper. Aaron. Danger Aaron. I don't know. Well, I can't watch. I don't Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to dick shame anybody. If your penis happens to be a little bit of a different color on certain parts of it, that's a-okay. But if it's dirty, there's a YouTube video on how to wash that shit and you need to watch it. Ooh. <laughs> to me, it looks dirty. I'm sorry. Because I've seen, I, I'm not going to say it. Well, I'm just going to say it. Mom won't listen to this, but I've seen plenty of dick in my day. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you friends. were about to say someone that your mom knew. I've yeah. seen so-and-so's well, dick. I was like, I Let's... saw dad's crusty dick and yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. like, where is this going? Oh, That's God, what I thought. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so, okay. So now that we're getting into it. I mean, it's on topic. On top dick. Boom. 
Yes, it is on topic because today and today's Trome April, <laughs> in today's Trome April episode, we are talking Tromeo and Juliet. To which, oh, to finish my story from earlier, Jake and Mikey had like very strong words to say about this. And I'm just completely floored because I <laughs> fucking loved this one. Like, if I, I may. <laughs> okay. This film is the Buckaroo Banzai of the Tromaverse, which is to say, I should love this. Everything objectively, I should love. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it at all. I like nothing to do with it except for the got a peanut thing. That's the only part of this whole movie I enjoyed. <laughs> and it's great because it also has James Gunn's cameo and quite possibly the mm-hmm. worst song ever. But also that's me <laughs> is sub- projecting my life experience because I will never forget my wife got some stupid book from the library of like nursery rhymes. And one of them was the God of Peanut. And I've never heard that until this, literally this year in my life. And my daughter and I are sitting there and she's singing the God of Peanut. And both my three-year-old daughter at the time and myself are looking at like, where's the punchline? And my wife thinks it's the funniest thing in the world that it's just a wet fart of a nursery rhyme that goes absolutely (laughs) nowhere. So it was great to see the comeuppance of them getting in a car accident, a hideous car wreck, if you will. Yeah. What about you, Mikey? I may have been trolling a little bit because I have been, as we know, based off of my text messages, not in the best of moods. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It's it's I don't know. It's just my time to be annoyed. And so it's not terrible. I'm not going to say it's the worst trauma movie out there, um, but do I enjoy it? Kind of. Would I watch it again? <laughs> no. Do I appreciate it? Yes, because there are really cool things like when we see the girl get her nipple pierced, like there's really good scenes. And I know that these movies are pretty much like no budget, but it looks good. Like Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I kept wondering in the movie is like, I don't know if maybe it's just camera choice or they had good lighting, but like it doesn't look cheap. Uh, I mean, special effects and stuff. It looks cheap, but that's trauma where we know what we're getting into. But the film itself is not like, you know how sometimes there's movies that you're like, I don't even want to watch this. This Uh is like, you know something someone made with like a VHS camera recorder. Um, but no, it doesn't look like that. And then I think Sean Gunn, um, who everybody knows obviously as the Gilmore girl guy. Yep. Um, he's Kirk. Yeah. Yes. And rocket raccoon. His brother is one James Gunn who happens to, did he direct or write this movie? So trauma is weird because everything goes under uncle Lloyd and Michael Hurst, right? They're the guys, but there's plenty of, interviews and literature and things that show at the very least he kind of works as second unit director but he absolutely wrote it i was kind of sad to find out this wasn't his idea so this was actually originally written years before in how sorry i have a note on it uh, as to when it was originally written it was like early 90s i thought yeah the first draft was 92 and that was by lloyd himself then he paid gun 150 bucks to rewrite it which you could not know. I, inflation being as it is, even then, that's like a criminally low to write a movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the lines and everything, I mean, the plot is very, he had the Romeo and Juliet plot. And they do actually use a lot of the lines because I've taught Romeo and Juliet for so many years yep. with the ninth graders. So when I'm, you know, I'm listening to them, I'm like, oh, okay. So I know what's happening and I know what's coming up and I know what to expect. Right. So I, at least he had that. He had a template. And then whatever the hell it is that he used from before, if they, if anything, 
So what they, basically he said the first draft was just Romeo and Juliet with some awful words put into it is what he said. And then his yeah. first draft had her being like a stripper and Romeo being like a, a crack ad, a crack dealer and stuff like that. And then even that was rewritten. So I'd be very interested to see the incremental growth, but it would also be a lot of reading for what's not that great, you know? Oh, well, I, I think that I think that if they had done the the stripper crack thing, it probably would have been more, I guess, trauma, in my opinion, because there's a yeah. lot of like, I, I mean, this is a trauma movie and it does remind me of it a lot of it. But there are times when and I don't know why it is, but whenever Sean Gunn is on the screen, like I'm like captivated by him in this movie, because normally when Kirk comes on and Gilmore Girls, I'm like, oh, fucking Kirk. And then I leave the room because yeah. He always annoys me on, on, on there, but I actually enjoyed him a lot in yeah. this one. And I really I liked that, that he can be sleazy in it. Like, I love that. Like, usually he's like ditzy Kirk who's stupid and skinny little nerdy guy. And now he's this like possibly skinhead type, you know, Samson character running around with like three pigtails and whatever. Do you know who he reminded me of? This this performance. Have you? I'm assuming you've seen SLC Punk at some point of your lives. Yeah. He reminded me of Devin Sawa with like the twitchiness and the LSD oh, doing. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, not as cute as Devin Sawa. Oh, naturally yeah. not. Yes. I'm such a no. big fan of Mr. Sawa. I, you're, you're, oh, you know what? He did fix his teeth because I was watching an Instagram story of him recently and I'm like, oh my God, he, he got rid of the gap. Must have smiled direct clubbed. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the gap between your two front teeth. That's all I'm saying. There is when hair gets into it. Let me tell you. It's it's easier to drink straws, to drink through straws. <laughs> You're drinking the actual straw like a sea turtle? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, Jake. Jeez. Okay, You're going to bring I'm, the mood down. I'm an environmentalist. I'm a goddamn vegan, but I don't do fucking paper straws. Fuck off with that. It's your responsibility to dispose of it properly, and it's your fault if the sea turtle dies. Own it. Well, okay, but the paper straw melts in your frozen drink, people. Like, we've got to figure out something better. Have you had the corn straws? Straw. Do you eat it afterwards? I have these weird, we have these weird straws at some of the restaurants downstairs, and they're they're all by the same guy, and they're biodegradable, but I don't know what they're made out of. Have you had pasta straws? That's a fun one that I've had at a couple of Italian restaurants. It's literally oh. just like a long penne noodle that you drink out of, and then you throw it away when you're done. Okay, that no, would be what they fine. do, if you want a straw, you pay a dollar. It's a metal straw. If you want your dollar back, you turn, return that damn metal straw to be cleaned. Like That's the fine. cart at Aldi? <laughs> Which I, I don't know. Aldi. I don't, we don't have an Aldi's here. Oh, you guys don't have Aldi? Oh, sorry. We have Aldi. I went into it once and I was like, nah, it's good. Oh, it's really, yeah, it's Not really ghetto. But you have to like pay for the cart. You have to put a quarter in the cart. I'm like, I never have a quarter, so I guess I can't fucking go to Aldi. Oh no. Anyway. That's why you just wear an oversized shirt and you just reverse mama kangaroo pouch it and carry it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't really have good wines, so why would I go? But anyway. <laughs> I always keep my stupid reusable shopping bags in the car and I go into the store with complete confidence and then I realize at the register that I fucking forgot it. And so then I have to yeah. like carry it like on my persons like it's tetris to get to my car and then i bag it myself oh i know i never remember them either it makes you feel better so that's okay but too many things involved i think one of the things that worked against this movie is there was too many characters i know in romeo and juliet we have a ton of cousins and what have yous but there was people in this movie that i felt like necessarily weren't needed yeah don't come for me i don't think Jeb debbie Rashawn's character was needed i don't think the 
the cousin of Juliet, the girl, uh, the sister, Samson's sister, Georgie. Yeah, I don't really think she was needed. There was just a lot of people. And it was a longer movie, which already pissed me off in my slump of a movie. 107 or 137 minutes. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch the longer version. I watched whatever was on Tubi. Yeah. It was an hour and 40 something minutes, um, which is still like kind of long for like a sleazefest type movie. Yeah. And I don't want to completely shut on it because I understand why so many people like it. I just think this is one of those movies that for some reason gets grouped into horror films and it's not a horror film. Yeah. I think in terms of trauma, there's traumatic stuff that happens. There's violence and there's those things, but in the way that it's delivered, it's delivered always in an absurd way. Sean Gunn picking up his head flap skin and putting it on. It's not meant to be traumatic and gruesome. It's just meant to be silly and over the top. And, And to your point, I also think that you could just consolidate characters. That's one thing that you can do, you know, just mix the two together and that would have worked well. But then the biggest frustration to me is the Queen Mab speech. Like that is a classic bit of Shakespearean literature. And it is a very fun monologue that can be done in a plethora of ways if you've seen uh, Trekkies, the documentary. Uh, But what I'm saying is like that is inherently absurd. That is Shakespearean trauma. And you just don't do that. So you can do dog faced girl. These are kind of missteps because, you know, if you're talking about using your practical effects and using, you know, your budgets for something visual, you absolutely can in the Queen Mab speech, which is literally talking about dreams and a little queen riding around on grasshoppers and shit. Like there's a lot of fun things to be had. And it almost like builds in its own weird segue. And then they just. Well, I know, but this is also a trauma movie, right? And I feel that. Are you calling me highbrow right now? I think you're being a little highbrow for trauma. Up, up, up. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely (laughs) being a Jenna Ortega in Scream 5 right now. Oh, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, but actually, for a trauma movie, I was surprised that I actually really liked and appreciated and acknowledged the set designs. The torture yep. box. Oh, yeah. The torture box was like done really well. Minimalist um, sex. When, when, ah. they have, when they have their love scene and there's lights in the background, like people, whoever, whoever made this, I mean, obviously throwing trauma movie posters everywhere in the fancy house, that probably wouldn't happen. But um, someone was paying attention to the set design and wasn't just like, let's make a movie. Hurry up. Go, go, go. Like they yeah. actually put time into think about the important scenes, I didn't pay attention to all the scenes, but like the important scenes, like the love scene, all that stuff, there was thought put behind it with what it looked like. And I like that. Well, James Gunn talked about specifically, he wanted this film to kind of be a time capsule of the 90s, the way that Valley Girl was of the 80s. But he was very at like overt in saying this is not what the 90s looked like. It's almost like a distillation, right? So that like when you see it, you have that evocation of this kind of idea. Which is interesting because I think a lot of people conflate the 90s, especially with like modern quote unquote fashion where kids are like purposefully looking like butt fucking shit all over the fucking place with their terribly bleached hair and <laughs> ill fitting clothing. Um, we escaped oh, what the were 90s. you on the Colobos episode? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, but that's the thing, though. You say I, th- I thought it was very. I, yeah, but I think it's like when you watch it, it is 90s. Like it's very 90s. Like everything that you watched in the 90s, like even his hair, Sean Gunn's hair in the movie, it just reminded me of like white guys trying to be whatever. 
And so Gwen I Stefani. Just, yeah, like very Gwen Stefani type <laughs> shit, right? So I don't know. I I liked that. It was very I, I thought I thought it felt 90s. Like I especially with like all the piercings and her face, makeup. I was like Debbie Rashawn's hair and makeup to me is very 90s. That yeah. when they're at the club listening to like the grungy type music, more 90s. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I maybe that's just me, but then of course it always it also reminded me too of Terra Firmer, which happened a few years later but it had a lot of the same people in there exactly, so yeah. you know so and and i was joking before last year that the guy what's his name who plays tromeo he's in terra firma but he's the girl the right yeah yeah that's a one that's an interesting one still not sure how i feel about it <laughs> when he and the other guy are fighting i was I like i took a picture of the screen i'm like oh my god it's jake and ada in real life because <laughs> it looked like uh well i mean i was the girl guy oh, whatever i thought you were calling me and dickless and i was like that's a bold the, assumption no, i was him because remember his makeup was all smeared <laughs> and he was crying and i'm like if this was like ever like a, a movie portrait of our relationship this is it but um so i i just thought that it was i thought it i thought it was very 90s like it yeah. was nostalgic for me. Yep. I liked the outfits, even like in her bedroom, the way her, you know, you remember like all of the unnecessary floral, floral shit they had everywhere. And oh, I don't yeah. know if that's like, if it was like full house's fault for everybody's house having like looking like that, especially her bedroom. Yeah. Or blossom for that matter. So, and the sex box, oh my, or the little, well, I call it the sex box, the torture box or whatever. Like I'm watching the scene. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like what is <laughs> happening right here? Because usually like the sex and trauma is very traumatic. Like it's mm-hmm. usually like a rape scene or something about to someone about to be assaulted in these trauma movies. Well, it's well I mean, silly. that is included. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but this was actually a good like this was like yeah. a good time. Like I'd, somebody was calling it softcore porn, and I think I was reading some of the reviews from yeah. back then, and I'm like, okay, like that makes sense because it pretty much is. Like I saw a lot of that guy's butt, so there you go. Well, and Lloyd had talked about giving them like story beats on what to hit during that sex scene, not like choreographing it, but trying to make sure that it was distinct from the other trauma stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. Well, I don't know how true anything I read is, but I did read that they left it up to the actor and actress. So um, the woman who's not Pam from The Office um, and (laughs) uh, (laughs) the other guy, forgot their names. um, They asked them to kind of um, block it together. And then apparently she actually had a crush on him, but they were like, we're not going to act upon it because we want that tension to be there in the film, you know, those subtleties of like, I actually do like this person versus like, yeah, we boned already. Exactly. And, and Lloyd was even like, I don't know if they ever did, but yeah. it's like, they probably did. Let's oh, I don't see why not. Yeah. Well, he was, he was really cute. He had that pretty hair and he was like running around with his pretty hair. And I'm like, Oh, I'd bone him. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he was hot. This movie had a couple of hot guys in it. Yeah, so Will Keenan and Jane Jensen are the uh, Tromeo and are not Pam from The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even like uh, Valentine Miel, Mieli, Mieli, whatever, mm-hmm. who played Murray, Mercutio, he was cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really cute. And then he got to kiss Tromeo, which was really I romantic. know. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> which is why I'm like, oh my God, we have like this cute little love story in here this little like backstory and mikey mm-hmm. didn't even like it well and they also had the story with her and the nurse too i mean i, I thought that was oh, nice parallels yeah. as well but 
again, I liked Murray so much. The fact that he's deprived of the Queen Mab speech is like, come on, cocksucker. Like, this is what you're meant for. (laughs) Well, and even the guy who plays. So it's funny because I thought that it was very homoerotic, lightly, not very, but lightly homoerotic with Murray and the cousin. What's his name? The the tattooist. Benny Q. Yes. Yeah, Benny Q, which apparently, I mean, obviously I have a terrible memory, but like I was digging through their IMDb's. The guy who's played Benny Q has been quite in a lot of James Gunn stuff. Um, And then a cool thing, because I know like when it comes to trauma, like James Gunn, especially, they like to kind of like, you know, work together in in small capacities and James Gunn's bigger stuff. But a fun thing was uh, Jane Jensen seems like she's more of a singer. Yeah. um, Because based off of what I was saying, she released albums and stuff. And although she didn't really act again, she was actually in the soundtrack to Slither. And Super, Mm. both James Gunn and Citizen Toxie. Oh, she sang for that, too, or had a song for that, too. Yeah, two songs, uh, the Rock That and Burner. Wow. Well, that's cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like if you're if your career path pivots, it doesn't mean you like have to necessarily dissociate from all the things you're doing. I just listened to an interview with AJ Lee or AJ Mendez. This gal, I think she's married to CM Punk. She was like a wrestler and I didn't watch wrestling at all during that time. But apparently she's like a writer now. She's written books. She's writing movies and screenplays and things. But she's using her writing prowess to go back into the wrestling world from a different perspective. And so it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you abandon the old, you could still incorporate it in just a different way. So I thought that was a really cool kind of like boomerang effect, but also not like, you know, she does kind of quote unquote act like she most recently acted in 2018, as far as I could tell, but you know, it seems like her passion is elsewhere and good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's also something that kind of makes trauma movies charming. Some of them is that <laughs> you can tell their <laughs> you can tell their friends. <laughs> yeah, you can tell their friends and that they actually like, enjoy working together. Because like someone like Jane Jensen, just looking at her, you'd be like, okay, this is just an actress doing a job. Like I wouldn't blame it if like you know she went on to do all these other things and never touched horror again. But no, like she. It was in the documentary for um, I forgot which documentary it was regarding people that were involved in this movie. So like and she stayed active in that kind of trauma community. So that's really cool to see. Um, Not that it takes anything away from the movie if it was just, you know, like an actress doing the job. But I think it adds that extra level of charm to it, knowing that, you know, they were down with each other. (laughs) Down like a clown with some Fago. Mm -hmm. Whoop. Yeah. Whoop. That's another reason why, though, I was surprised that we never suggested this last year because I'm like, oh my god, all the fucking metadata we have, James got, we have Sean got, even because he's popular now. We've got Lemmy as the fucking narrator for Christ's sake. We have mm. all of these things going on in this movie, and I'm just like, why did we not do this last year? Oh, because Aid would like it. That's why we didn't do it last year. Duh. But <laughs> don't blame me. I wasn't involved last year. Oh, you weren't involved last year, no. So but no. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I was sorry Jake's I suggest- hidden secret. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was okay. Anyways, I did subject you to that preacher man shit. So we'll have to talk about that later. What do you mean subject really? me to? That was way better than this. Oh, I knew you would like that, you hoe. I'm so upset. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've only obsessed over every single episode of Righteous Gemstones. A doy, I would like that. 
Of course. Well, okay. So, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call Jake a hoe, everybody, but to give you a little backstory, a student called me a hoe recently and I had to write them up. And so now it's like my <laughs> insult to everybody. I'm like, you're such a hoe. I'm like, thank you. I am a hoe. I appreciate that. But, you know, I'm going to have to write you up now. But anyways. I'm a hoe for show. Don't you love taunting someone and then it becomes part of your vernacular? <laughs> I, I had know. an ex-girlfriend <laughs> who would say stuff like Jeezy Creasy and Primo Princess Parking. And I haven't seen that hoe in about 15 years. And yet I still use that in common speak. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, look at I did a little rhyme. Anyways, so, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I liked it so much. I was so excited. And then Dan gets home and he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. I just really like this one because of all of the ones I've watched, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I have to admit, I've never really been excited for any of them. Except for Toxic Avenger, because I know that Doug loved it so much. And I did like, actually, I did like Terra Firmer, which is weird because it's like the same people. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think James Gunn was involved in Terra Firmer too, right? So maybe that's why. I did like it. I mean, that was a little long. If we're talking about long Terra Firmer, Mikey is way longer than this one. Correct. Can I just say, every time I hear the title Terra Firmer, it reminds me of when SNL makes fun of Barbara Walters and she says, bah, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I always think, Is it because I'm saying it like this? No, even kind when I read it, it sounds like I'm you like, have peanut butter on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I think of. But maybe one of the reasons why you actually enjoy this one is because it actually has a pleasant, happy ending. I mean... It has to be trauma and be like, yeah, well, I mean, it has to be trauma and be like, yeah, they're brother and sister and have like mutant kids, mutant inbred kids. But like, if you just take away that minor detail, they have a happy ending. They do. And and that's the thing, too, because I you assume they're going to die because it's Romeo and Juliet. Right. And that's always a really hard thing with me, especially when I teach it. I don't teach it anymore because I teach ninth grade. But when I used to teach it to ninth graders, Especially because I would used to teach ESOL, so they were, you know, from a different country or they never were, you know, exposed to Shakespeare the way we're exposed to Shakespeare here and other places. And just having to reveal the ending to them and then even seeing it on screen is just so difficult for them to grasp, right? And it's just like, it's always like a really quiet moment and they're just watching it like this, this can't happen. And so I think for me to see them not die in some sort of variation or whatever of Shakespeare's work. I, I know this would be <laughs> blasphemy. I don't know if it would be blasphemy. I think he might like it because I feel like he was a pervert. Yeah, I, I was actually about to like follow question. So I was going to ask you, what do you think Shakespeare would think of this? But he was a wackadoodle. He might have just liked it. And he might have been 15 different people for all we know. Yeah, that's another Here thing Jake too. goes with his conspiracies again. Look, it's linguistics, okay? Boom. Well, even yeah, I mean, because we don't know who. I, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that. Okay. We could be. That's fine. We, I mean, we could, mm. but I'm not teaching. Ma- Mama right has now. spoken. I'm off the clock. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, when I used to teach uh, Romeo and Juliet, either in a dramatic setting or in a linguistic setting or poetry, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can analyze this. But kind of the template I've always used in Romeo and Juliet is specifically the subversion of expectation. People equivocate this with the penultimate romance, and it's it's beautiful and it's sweeping, and it is not. He is like a statutory rapist who's grooming and exploiting a child. He's violent. He's all like he is truly despicable. And so that's one of the things that's interesting in this is 
he's much more charming and ostensibly has a lot of ways to get out of it where it's funny because you think that this satiristic, exploitative, provocative thing is going to be somehow worse. And honestly, I think the character is much better, which, I mean, you could probably speak to as well, right? Yes, I think that in ways that Romeo is a lot more vulnerable in this in this interpretation of him. And you could almost argue that even to some degree, Leonardo DiCaprio and Baz Luhrmann's depiction of it may be the same way with Romeo. But my thing is, is that I know that they're saying like, okay, it's easy for you to say that he's grooming her and he's this, that, because we're looking at it in terms of now. But I think back then that was normal. Much more so, yeah. Well, I was going to I was gonna say, what was their ages? What were their ages in the original? I think she's story. 14. She's 14 and he's 16 or 17. So, but I mean, they're both too young. They don't know what the fuck they want either. So when I'm watching it now as an adult, like, or reading well, this is it, off topic, just, but how long did people live back then? They didn't live very long. I, I mean, we, we would all probably be dead by now. Yeah, because that seems to be like the most common when I... When you look at like age differences back then, and it's kind of like, you know, 18 years old to us is like a baby still. But like when you only live to be 30. It's a midlife crisis, right? Well, I yeah. think Shakespeare died like in his late 40s. So, oh, so he they lived, still lived fairly. He had a good run. But I mean, but that's all we know. We don't really even know. We think we know he was born on this day. We think we know he died on this day. I mean, there's just no, the kids are always asking me questions about him. And I'm like, nobody fucking knows because yeah. we don't even know if he even did this. And we read uh, My Mistress's Eyes Are Nothing Like the Sun. We were studying uh, Sonnet 130 recently and all of the girls were getting up out of their seats pissed off at this poem. And it was like this whole thing or the sonnet. And I'm just like... Well, you know, and I told them, I said, well, think about this. This was written back, you know, hundreds of years ago. And we're talking about it still now, 2022, and is invoking this, like this passion out of you. This is why you should appreciate, at least appreciate Shakespeare, appreciate any type of poetry that came out of this time, because we are still speaking about it to this day. Like we wouldn't have Tromeo and Juliet. This would not exist. Maybe James Gunn, as we know him today, would not exist if Tromeo and Juliet was not here. (gasps) Or so maybe like, he would have been Shakespeare with his own version. I guess so. I don't know. I'm sorry. Jake is giving me a dirty look, everybody. So no. I'm going to be quiet now. I'm curious <laughs> as to what what uh, umbrage they took with Sonnet 130. Just because he's saying she's not that great. But then the end is, despite this, despite she's beyond that. compare. But they think it's disrespectful and rude. And they don't understand why it is that their looks are even coming into question to begin with if he loves her is objective but her I lips understand. are not as red as coral god damn it well jake we're gonna call you tomorrow and you're gonna talk to my girls <laughs> jake will be giving a presentation <laughs> at your school tomorrow jake make a google slides presentation uh, is objective <laughs> evidence is it rouge or is it not boom well, well ask, him, ask him who they follow on tiktok and see all their the people they follow are they attractive do they follow any other people on tiktok are there roses in your tiktokers cheeks god damn it <laughs> <laughs> it also brings up a good point. I think one of the reasons why I never connected with Romeo and Juliet, even as a teenager, is on, why are you trying to write like the greatest romance about teenagers? and Thisbe? Oh, teenagers, right. I don't well, know what it's, that Yeah, means, the, the source material is Pyramus and Thisbe. So it was derived from a poem or tale from Ovid, right? Like back in the day. And then all of his stuff, like it, it's all fan fiction is what I, I tell the kids. This is how I explain things. It's fan fiction. He's taking stories from the source material and he's making it his own. And they're like, oh. 
Well, I didn't even know that. So you're obviously a better teacher than my eighth grade English teacher. Whenever I was supposed to learn that I was a terrible kid. I knew what I had to do to get a 70 all through high school. And I just skated by and graduated because I knew I wasn't going to go to any fancy college. And I did what I did. Now I'm here and I don't regret it. But Mikey, that's the American way. What are you upset about? I think if you would have put your nose to the grindstone, you'd be on a much bigger podcast and more successful podcast. You'd you'd be with different podcast people. (laughs) No. But as far as like, okay, so I understand what you mean. I don't, they, they say that it, what it's supposed to be when I was studying Shakespeare back in the day, that his comedies and his tragedies, like they sort of swap because Merchant of Venice is supposed to be a comedy. But if you've ever read it, it is deplorable. It is very anti-Semitic. Oh, yeah. And, and it's considered a comedy, but it's not. So I don't know. I think I think he was just, I don't know. I, I don't know because we don't really know anything about Shakespeare. I can't just talk about him. Well, well maybe, I yeah. think the term comedy was used differently back then because Correct. I had a friend who was reading Dante's Inferno, which is called a comedy. It is. And I was like, but he was mind. telling me, yeah, he was telling me what it was about. And I was like, what's funny about that? Basically, it just means that everybody doesn't die at the end. That's it's either everybody oh. dies or everybody mostly lives. But Dante's Inferno is beautiful. It, I, that's one of those class like Algieri's work in that. But even that's weird because it's written about a lady who was like, who the fuck are you? What? Like Beatrice was not (laughs) in love with him. It's a weird thing, too. But all these guys are kind of like, I should just stop reading beyond the source material, I think is my my great conclusion. What I'm thinking is that we need to start having literature segments of the show. We talk about we could play Dante's Inferno, the video game, which has the best (laughs) commercial of any video game I've ever seen. I don't know what that is, but we could also watch Dante's Cove, which is a 2000 series that is full of gay stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about we have you with that on one screen reacting, and then I'm on the other screen with the with the scythe of death. That's going to have to be on OnlyFans if you want to see my reactions to that, because it is not verbal. And Ew. you get a free poncho. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I can't believe y'all are making me so dirty. Go ahead and keep I going. know. It's a, it's Stop, a little bitch going. that's nasty segment for you there. <laughs> I know. Uh, so speaking of that's nasty, uh, I had kind of cringed earlier with the mention of Lemmy. Here's something I found really interesting. So James Gunn got in a lot of hot water for making very provocative jokes back in the day on Twitter and for dressing up as a priest and going to a party, which was themed um, as such. There's a big difference between being a provocateur and somebody who's actually engaging in that kind of activity, there is an argument to be said that being provocative and bringing those things to the surface, like he does with the priest in this, while kind of deplorable to bring up in a humorous way, the antagonistic nature of it brings it out and creates a greater sense of transparency. So even if it's bad, it's still somewhat defensible. He said plainly, Lemmy was a piece of shit who punched someone on set, who grabbed young girls, who purposefully got drunk, never learned his lines, had to use cue cards, and then went around bragging to people that he uh, somehow rewrote the script on Gums' behalf. And I thought that was Mm. really interesting to see. Like, You don't hear that blemish on Lemmy, but you saw it on James Gunn for something where it's not acting on an impulse or anything. It's ridiculing it or exploiting that. But then you have somebody who's actually acting on those impulses, 
and it's just kind of disregarded as like, oh, well, you know, he's a rock star, whatever. What do you think? I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it. He's, so Lemmy is dead, first dead. of all. He's also so. God, though, so he's not actually dead, if you uh, follow your airhead's rhetoric. <laughs> okay, well, all right. But even if he wasn't dead, just think of the circles that, you know, Lemmy Motorhead, like, pandered, not pandered to, but, like, people who follow them, right? James Gunn is in this in this bubble now where if you do something wrong, they will find out and you will be persecuted for it. And I don't necessarily think that I, that Lemmy wouldn't be part of that. But like if, if I went, most kids would know who James Gunn is if they watch Marvel, right? Like James Gunn, especially after the scandal or whatever, but people know who he is. Even with Scooby-Doo, we were talking about the other day. Yeah. Like James Gunn is part of, or at the very least they know Sean Gunn because Kirk is part of it. I call him Kirk, but he's in all of James Gunn's shit. If I went and talked to some of my kids right now and said the name Lemmy, they would just stare at me. So I don't think that he's that relevant in the in the audience that is sort of socially conscious. Wanna, yeah, it's not even that they're socially conscious now. I feel like people are just coming after you because James Gunn's been cleared of things. There are some people who've done like it was the early two thousands and before that, people said a lot of stupid shit back then. People did a lot of stupid shit. Like, I mean, look at the movie Hostel, for example. There are so many problems with oh, early two yeah. thousands work. And I'm not I'm not dismissing it or saying that we should excuse it or say that that's okay. But we shouldn't sit there and say, Okay, well, let's go and like fucking hang Eli Roth for making hostile because how dare he do all of these things? That was the time. I mean, he's not, you're making art, but art is of the time. Like, I don't, I don't know if we can just go back and say like, you know, I was getting mad at Kevin Hart for saying things and stuff like that. Like, well, Hostel is a weird one too, because it's not said by people in a context, which is meant to be idealistic. It's not the (laughs) hero saying these things and they're not idolized for it. And that's something that, that horrors always kind of treaded this weird line where you have these deplorable characters. But generally, it's a very progressive place because those are the ones who get the comeuppance, you know. And so there is an argument to be made in that capacity as well. And in comparison to other trauma works, I'd say this is fairly progressive. It does touch on very dark topics, but like the homoeroticism is not done in an exploited way. Like it's actually kind of sweet that despite being heterosexual, you know, Tromeo kisses Mercutio, or sorry, Murray, because he's saying, Murray. you know, by his his death's request. And I thought that's really at least interesting, and it's a cool talking point, if not progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and that's the thing is that with Lemmy, I'm not excusing any of that behavior. And if he didn't, I'm, I'm not surprised because many front men are like that. Okay, so our many men and bands, I should say, are not all of them, but I've been around the block. I've experienced things. I know. I'm not saying that I'm a hoe, but whatever. Mama told me to be careful of rock stars. <laughs> hey, you know what? I had, a, I had a good time. I'm just saying I saw some things, but my my issue here is Did you is see that... M. Shadows' butthole? No. Okay. No, no. No, you know is what? That That's actually... No. That's but... on my bucket list. No, what were you saying? I will... No, it's not on my bucket list. <laughs> actually, I have no desire to meet any of them because if any of them would disappoint me, then I wouldn't be able to live my life anymore. So I'm just going to never meet them. Although I'm pretty sure that Johnny Christ and I would be best friends because he's obsessed with horror and he loves to drink. Like, hello. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> Where is my Johnny Christ? I know. We're like the same person. So anyways, and he has a podcast. Oh, who doesn't? God damn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, funny enough, when the movie opened with Lemmy, 
I was sitting there and I was like, I feel like I'm going to get shit because I don't know who this is. And I feel like I'm supposed to know who this is. But I just looked up on IMDb and I was like, okay, he's like the rock version of Madonna. You proved my point, though. That's my thing. I don't think if Lemmy was still alive, they're not going to come after him the way they came after James. Gunn. Absolutely that was the whole the whole part yeah. of my argument here. And unfortunately, that's just the way that the world is. It's like you can't just go after one and not the other. Well, and it's, it's a huge issue insofar as the targeting of Gunn was in response to other comments he had made about you know political discourse. Where somebody said, oh, I'm going to find this about you. This doesn't come up naturally. There was no umbrage at the time. This is manufactured versus, I mean, that's one of the things that's it's very disingenuous, I think, at the very least, with a lot of the kind of like slam tactics that you see in, in virtue signaling. where People are trying to do these things to receive like online clout and some kind of aplomb. And it's like, really, it's tangential at best. It's really, it's a non-issue. It's not an excuse for those guys, because if you look at the new generations of people moving forward, there is progress. And albeit somewhat incremental at times, albeit at a snail's pace at times, you see a more progressive rock element. Like, look, at I mentioned M. Shadows' gaping butthole. He wrote an article about Black Lives Matter and was fully Mm -hmm. willing to own up like, hey, we use Confederate flags in our imagery. Really sorry about that. I don't think it's appropriate. I apologize. And nobody had to like attack him for it. That was self-reflection moving forward. And so I think yeah. that you're seeing that with all kinds of creative types where even if they are being provocative, even if they are being antagonistic, they're doing it in a way that's socially conscious now. So you can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I don't know if Lemmy would have been there, but he's, he's no longer with us. So <laughs> yeah, Honestly, the biggest frustration with him being in this movie is that he's just so bad in the role because it's like dream casting. Like it could be so fun and well done. But he just mumbles his way through it, and there's no real charisma there. Because I've you know seen interviews and things with him where he is quite charismatic. It's just clear he was just kind of fucking around, and he didn't take it seriously because he knew he was big shit. He knew he was like too big time for this. So him just being there is a gift. Him giving yeah. an actual performance would have been doubly so or quintuply so for that matter. Mm-hmm. So who's the best performer in the movie? Since it's obviously not Lemmy, who do you go? I loved Sean Gunn in this, and I'll say that again, because I honestly never like him in anything, really. I don't think he's that great. But in this, I think I did not think of Kirk not once. Like, I know he's younger, but he still looks exactly the same. He's a scrawny-ass little bird guy, you know, whatever. He's so thin. I hope he never hears this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that, but (laughs) he's never going to hear this. But uh, yeah, no, I think he's amazing in this. And then I really do like, um, I really do like, what's his name? Will Keaton, why can I ever think of him? I think he's great. I don't know why he's never looking anything else. Did you see the Tromeo found 25 years later clip that they did? It was like 10 minutes. It wasn't a Troma official thing, but it's just like him in like a trailer park kind of thing. He looks like a goddamn silver fox. He looks great acting and, and what he was saying was not necessarily great. But, you know, it's good to see he didn't go like off the reservation and get a swastika tattooed on his forehead or something true i thought all of the main cast did really well because you know sometimes in trauma you're like oh wow they didn't pay them for this role oh yeah or in fact they paid to be in this movie yeah (laughs) yeah all of the main cast did really well but i will agree with aid that sean gunn probably was the top performance just because not everybody can pull that off like you know you can't just get anybody to play that creepy off the wall bonker possibly a tweaker and make it believable. He reminded me 
of Lock Dog from Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, which came out the same year. Well, there you go. Maybe it was like an inspiration. Oh, sorry, Jake. Go ahead and answer your own question. Who did you think was top dog? Oh, it was definitely Sean Gunn. There's no question. Oh, okay. He, like, he's the most charismatic. He's the most... But I, I think that a certain degree of that, and, I, and I, this goes to something I've talked about, like Hamlet 2000, who's the best actor? It's Bill Murray. Denzel Washington is great. I think it's much ado about nothing. You look, when you're looking at a Shakespearean performance, to me, what's always been the best is people who understand what they're saying, yeah. the words that are being said, the emotions, people often try and compensate and they just hit those you know, peaks and valleys, you know, you're to be or not to be. That dynamic shift isn't interesting if you don't know what the word means. In to be or not to be, the soliloquy, he says, and with a bare bodkin, who would Fortles bear? The fuck is a bare bodkin? It's an unsheathed dagger. But how many people have probably delivered that goddamn soliloquy without actually understanding what's being said? And I feel like truly there's a lot of times where even Will Keenan is just saying words and he's there are sometimes he hits it really, really well. But there are some times where I feel like he's just saying the words and I, I think it kind of washes over him. Whereas Sean Gunn, I feel like maybe it's because of the relationship with his brother. Maybe he was more involved in the writing process, something, but he seemed mm-hmm. to get it more than anyone else. Yeah, I can see that. Are you all familiar with Tiffany Shepis? Yeah, I had breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't applaud that. <laughs> That's too late. <laughs> she has this infamous story where her first film was a trauma film and she went to the audition saying she was 18, but she was actually 14. And then she they said she was her, 16. They, well, they gave her the part and she <laughs> felt guilty. So then she was like, just kidding, I'm 16. Um, but they agreed to let her stay because she wasn't doing anything, you know, risque or whatever. This was her. That was that was this movie. She plays um, Petey, who very it's a small part, but. Um, you probably recognize her if you sh- saw her, but like I was like I thought she was sixteen the whole time, but I was like she's fourteen. Like she looks like an adult. <laughs> uh, oh she was God. one of the girls that gets in the fight. She's always wearing like a two piece. She was like the person checking the list at, before the party. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking. And at she's her amazing. Now. She's in a ton of horror stuff. She's the sweetest person. Like I love. She's one of my favorite scream queens. Um, so it's interesting to see the first movie that she's she's known for being underage and that's hilarious oh my god i know that looks like i'm looking here it looks like she's been in Tales of Halloween. Halloween. yeah well i was just 42 now so i guess it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> past the age of consent yeah but i mean she didn't do anything that she needed to be 18 for so that was probably the the saving she was of it. younger than doug was when he was in a bathroom stall with <laughs> lloyd kaufman so i feel like if anything lloyd was more scrupulous in this situation <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious well you know and that's the thing too is that um you know i can't believe i'm still floored by that whole um what is it that entire thing that we just discovered about doug Lloyd kaufman <laughs> his and chests of horrors we had an entire month of trauma last year and not once not one time did doug mention this. and this wasn't like okay oh i did it like last week no i did it like 10 what 15 years 15 ago years ago yeah. yeah well he said he said he forgot and then now that 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 just got distributed, he's like, oh, yeah, BT dubs. <laughs> so, but that's just our Dougie being humble. I know. I know. But you know what? Now we have like a, a closer bond to trauma. 
that bond that I never knew existed with, within me because I've never knew these existed until last year. So I think it's really exciting. So. It's also, yeah. it speaks to Doug because he's not trying to live out the glory days. He's not like Al Bundy living out his Polk High School one play that mattered. Doug like is consistently creating and doing things even when it's not convenient, even when it's like to, to his own detriment. Yeah. Props to Douglas. We Aww. love Doug. We miss you, Doug. We, we Doug was supposed to be here today, everybody, but we got our times mixed up, so he's not yeah. avoiding us. I promise. No, he's <laughs> avoiding us because I also planned a trip to go see him, and then he's going to go out of town that weekend. So, well, he is getting. It may not have been just weekend. to see him, but for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to say it was. So you're going to be here <laughs> at the end of April. Yeah. Hey, well, if I don't go to his wedding, bitch, come hang out with us. Okay, we'll do a live episode. That'd be Everyone fun. gets to see each other, and then I don't. I'm like I'm stuck over here. I'm just no, like I'm, I'm seeing stuck you at the end of the, the year. Side of the world. Okay. I'm seeing you at the end of the year. Aid. Don't be. Don't be sad. I'll be in Orlando in December. And this is a great plug. If you guys want to like have live shows and stuff now that the world is reopening, let us know. If we get like 50 people in a room in like Saskatchewan, we'll fly. <laughs> I'll get more shots. I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, that that's the do. second time we've brought up that city. The first time is when I thought it was in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Sasquatchquan. Pretty sure that's Canada, right? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so we have to talk about this. We have to talk about it. That God yes. damned theme of this movie. The song from Will Wisely. Oh, I loved oh. it. Yeah, it's stuck in my head. And I'm very mad about it. <laughs> because I've watched this movie over the span of three fucking days. And somehow that song appeared each increment that I watched this movie. And so it has been omnipresent in my brain. Is this the first time you've seen Aww. it? All the way through, yeah. I've watched clips oh. and stuff, and especially because I've done, I did like some comparative analyses, um, especially with like the contemporizing of Shakespearean works. And honestly, like cool. this is more fun than a lot of other works. You know, like Hamlet 2000, I bring up all the time because it's just fucking terrible. Except... The to be or not to be is an ambitious idea. It's very high concept with him like walking around the blockbuster and like quantifying death and what it means to him. Bill Murray is obviously great, but and Liev Schreiber is relatively good in it, but it's just not great overall because it's just in a new setting. It's not contextually different. Uh, one I've always wanted to watch is O, but uh, I just never got around Ooh. to it. Isn't that you with Mackay Pfeiffer? O. I thought yes. it was Josh Hartnett. Yeah, do you? Right. Mackay Pfeiffer is Othello. Josh Hartnett is, what's, oh, why can't I think of his name? The bad guy. That's all you need to know. The shitty one. The, the shitty and, one. There you go. Well, they're both yeah. hot. So I would like to make, I would like for them to make me say, oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. It's a good one. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> so in here, I don't know where you are. They have these. But we have an auto parts store called O'Reilly, and their theme yeah. song is Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh <laughs> So I'm imagining you at an auto parts store getting fucking, uh, what do you call it, rotisserie by Josh Hartnett and this other fellow. It's called Eiffel Towered if you have five at the top. Do you think they oh. would, though? Or do you think they'd be passionate and, like, caressing you up and down with, like, scented oils? No. Look at this. This is a conquest. So. <laughs> We did it! Clap. Yeah. This did is you know Josh Hartnett turned down Batman and Batman uh, Begins? No, but he, I... Yeah. Christopher Nolan wanted him, and he was like, nah, dog, I'm good. And then realized after, like, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did hear that he turned down a lot of traditional male roles because he wanted to do something different. And I was like, well, look where that got you. 
it got you not oh i'm not gonna say unemployment line what do we the fun employment line it well, got you fun things well name one thing he put out in the last three years penny dreadful because he kissed Pen- a dude. okay that that's older he fucks dorian gray and it's older than four years but um oh, and he- i would affect him too so there you go well, he's coming out in a movie that looks really good. I can't remember which one it is. No, but. he was just did something because I was like, oh, look at Josh Hartman. What the hell was it? Oh, see, it's he, was, he did an HBO special that I want to see. I think he's a bad guy in it. It's about like, I believe it's a period piece. Um, oh, he was in that movie with the with with the guy who replaced Dario Argento from Game of Thrones and the other chick. And he's basically fighting over this girl. And it was set back in the day. Oh, my God. What's the name of that movie? You guys are doing a great job selling me on Joshua. Not Dario Argento. It's Dario Naharis. I was like, he was in Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to correct you because I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I'm pretty sure you're wrong. No, it's Dario Naharis. Sorry. Okay. 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 I'm going to look it up right now and then we're going to move on because we're coming up in the hour and there was something I wanted to mention. I can't remember what well, it was. Just mention your mention. Not. He's coming out in a lot of stuff. And also, I was correct. Your Penny Dreadful ended in 2016, so you're far beyond the three years, sir. Well, I don't remember. I didn't watch it. Neither did I. <laughs> the one that looks really good is Operation Fortune Russe de Guerre. <laughs> Apparently, it's with my other. <laughs> it's with my other sex icon. No, I don't know if that's him or not. <laughs> it could be another oh bald guy. Oh my god! Really? Like, yeah, yeah, Jason Statham. Happening. It's oh, him and Jason, Jason Statham. Statham, and Josh Hartnett is like an actor or something, and they hire him to play an agent. But Jason Statham's the real agent. Something like that. I don't remember. It could be about something completely different. But Aubrey Plaza's in it too. Do you know how scary it is? I started typing in Daria Naharis, and Google just knew what I was talking about because Google is listening to me. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I searched Albertsons yesterday, and now all of my YouTube ads are for Albertsons, a place where I've shopped once, which was yesterday. What's really weird is I was at my mom's house, and she had this eye surgery that she's like, there's YouTube videos about it. I don't even want to watch it because I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to get scared. And then like a week later, I was on YouTube, and the recommended video was the eye surgery she was talking about. Ew. <gasps> was it with a laser? Yeah. It was kind of like lace. It was it's a two-part of the first part of removing whatever it's called, cataracts. And then the second part is implanting a lens. Very minority report. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) I have a case where a guy got his uh, face blown up with a propane tank and they had to replace his lens because it became opaque from the fire. Ooh, cool. I just learned what the term catch a case means. It means I'm not afraid to go beat you up and catch a court case. Nice. I thought you were talking about those things you have to do to prove you're not a robot when you're putting in your password. Oh, like the picture, and it's like That's pick the bus. Captcha. That's the joke. That is the joke, Mikey. You're correct. <laughs> oh, okay. But sometimes the bus looks like the train, and I don't know. And I just, anyways, it doesn't matter. Captcha case. Two for two on bad jokes today, Jake. Jeez. I, I am hitting a key demo, which is old dads <laughs> who aren't getting laid. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. We're not treating Aid with respect and letting her talk, even though it's not Women's March anymore. So who cares? It doesn't matter. It's, it's about time that us males get our chance to talk on this show. It's I been know. a roast beef fest on here for too long. <laughs> Let's bring out the sausages. A Philadelphia cheesesteak. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Because it's Trump April, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let that slide. I'm letting it slide. She's also Sorry. getting herself another glass of wine to make sure that I she am. lets it slide. Because now I'm like I'm having a moment. 
told myself it wasn't going to drink today. Anyways. Did you guys watch Boon Raku? It was a movie that Josh Hartnett did, which was very like Asian themed, but he was like a white guy. I, I didn't watch it very closely, but I was getting tattooed when I watched it. And it was a very weird film. Anybody? <laughs> no. Adrian, his biggest fan. So I'm assuming that you've seen it, right? Not his biggest. I mean, I, I do like him a lot, but I haven't seen anything he's been in recently, except for The Ottoman Lieutenant, which apparently came out in 2016. So I'm wrong as well. So that wasn't very recent. Thank you very much. Anyways. I mean, I, I, I kind of stacked the deck in my favor because COVID happened. So the oh. likelihood of him doing anything, but you know, his relevance to me, the last thing I saw of his, I think, was Boon Raku, which was 2010. Oh, okay. Well, I looked at the cast for Boon Raku. And it's Josh Hartnett, Woody Harrelson, Kevin McKiddo, Ron Perlman, Demi Moore, and someone named Gact. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's a lady. Or oh, is it a lady? Or is that I a don't guy? know. Is that who? Gact has very nice eyebrows. Yeah, it's a I'm guy. Whoa, the... I would have completely fucked him and not even realized. That's crazy. There you go, Jake. See, there's so many times have I heard that before. <laughs> okay, Aid, yeah, I know you've been trying to say something for the last five minutes, so the floor is yours. Okay, I really don't say anything. I just thought it was cute when he started talking about the porn on the CD-ROMs because remember when you used to get the Oregon Trail on the CD-ROM and you'd have to go home and play it? Oh, we're talking about but, Romeo and Juliet again. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, Romeo and <laughs> Juliet. Like, what movie are we talking about? I don't yeah, have I, porn on CD-ROMs. I can just Google it. I like that it was Shakespearean-themed porn, too. It was. It was and it was nice. funny. Like That was actually probably the funniest part of the whole movie when he was watching, like, it was like attempted to be porn about someone that cares about you. Yeah, <laughs> she like, like she wanted to marry him and he was getting yeah. off on that. I'm like, that's actually really sweet. And she's like, and and that was the other thing with the, with the Debbie Rashawn's character. I almost felt she was a little predatory. And that's why I kind of blocked that relationship out of my mind. I yeah, it, I mean, it did seem kind of forced on her end and that Julia was just kind of like, whatever, no one else is here. Isn't she? She was younger than the gal who played Juliet too, which is interesting. Yeah, she was a year younger than Juliet, and she played her nanny. Yeah, but like Juliet even told her, like I, I, I think about men when I'm with you, and I'm like, oh, that's like this is it. And they kept like using the um. And then another cute thing. Last thing I'm going to say about this was that they kept insinuating that her curly iron was a sex toy, and then oh by the God. end she. She burns the dad in the face with it. And when they peeled it off and all the skin and nastiness yes. came off with it, I'm like, yes, because that's what happens when you touch the curling iron. I don't know if you know that, yeah. but it really hurts. <laughs> I thought, I mean, the dad was obviously deplorable, disgusting. I mean, he was supposed to be. Uh, it's not like it's nothing yeah. against the actor. When he finds the foam hair curler and he was like, your anal plug. I, was like, <gasps> I don't know what his obsession with his daughter's hair items being sex toys but I was like chaining that her in the whole box. part was super disgusting mm. and i'm not saying that like in a bad way i mean yeah it's a disgusting gross relationship but that's how it was written it's not you know not supposed to be anything else so who gives a shit what we think about this fucking movie am i right let's find out what our pals over at damn that's scare or what 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 inflection do you read it in in your brain stem i always read it as damn that's scary Almost like a little bit of like a condescension to it. How do you read it? I always think it's like, damn, that's scary. But I forget they don't have any girls in their show. So it's not that fun. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I always read it as, oh, damn, that's scary. Ooh. <laughs> Hello, sex tiger. <laughs> Hold on now. Sorry. I like that. <laughs> I'm a different girl today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I'm just a girl in the world. Daughter of a preacher man, I am not. Yeah, so <laughs> that well, yeah. Damn, that's scary. Uh-oh. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damn, Damn That Slashers. Oh. What? This is the Slasher Show. Hold on. It's not us. Okay. It's the Slasher Show. We're doing the Slasher thing. Yeah, okay. Welcome to another episode of Slashers the Podcast. Yay! Slashers Podcast. My name is Aid, formerly known as Micah. I'm joined alongside by... I'm Dougie. And I'm I... great at dancing. That's Greg. I'm Micah. We're hey. from Damn That Scary. And I guess it's Tro March. Is it? I don't know. Well, I, I've heard that it's Trome April. It's Trome April. It's Trome March, though. Like it's, it's but, but it's still Trome March. 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 That's right. And we have the opportunity to give you a very short little blip of our review of Tromeo and Juliet. Oh, it's great to be back. To Tromaville. All right, so what do we take away from Tromeo and Juliet? The first thing I gotta say is, goddamn, I love a movie that is narrated by God himself, and I'm talking about Lemmy. Lemmy. Well, this is an incredibly 90s take on the Wesley Shakespeare classic, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, you mean the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? The very same. But no, instead, who do we get? We got Sean Gunn. Mm-hmm. We got Debbie Rashawn covered in fake tattoos. Uh, not to suck my own dick here or anything, but I'm in a movie with Debbie Rashawn. I think you're cool. Well, this one has tattoos, body piercings, there's vegetarian cunnilingus, there's all the gore you could ever ask for, and there is a giant throbbing wiener monster yeah i love a wiener monster who doesn't love a wiener monster it worked in this <laughs> it didn't work in vhs viral but oh, yeah. boy howdy did i love the monster cock in this you, uh, you know what as a matter of fact i thought that was willem dafoe because as we all know willem dafoe has a notoriously large penis <laughs> he can't hide it this time so we're talking about Tromeo and Juliet. This is written by James Gunn, who got paid a mere $150 for the script. That's not bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah, coming from Lloyd Coffin, that fucking cheapskate, that's a lot of fucking money. I was making $5 an hour back in the 1990s, so, I mean, you know, James, you're doing okay. Yeah, James Gunn, he's doing fine right now with Peacemaker and... He's engaged to that super hot smoke show blonde from the show. But this movie's this movie also has the classic Kabuki car flip. There's car crashes. There's gratuitous dismemberment. There's sexual frustration. There's deformed incest babies. And there is a soundtrack that'll get you dancing. Hey, Doug, I hope you teach me how to Dougie. And also Tiffany Shepis, who was only 14 years old in this movie because she oh. lied saying that she was 18. She didn't have any nude scenes, but she was still pretty scantily clad in it. And this oh. all takes place in Manhattan. So you know what they say? Stay out of the subway. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what have we become? Troma, Troma, Troma. So if you love trauma, 
and the 1990s, and we know you do, and you have about an hour and a half to kill before your plug shows up with the happy pills, you need to check out the trashterpiece that defined a generation. It's, it's Romeo and Juliet. Fucking nailed it. Perfect. Well, guys, yeah, that is a very short, short, short version of it, just like in Spaceballs. But if you like that, like check us out. Damn that's scary. We're Damn on Spotify. Scary. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh the BICPBDDD network. You know what? Who gives a shit? Just Google us. Tell us what you think. Have yourself a good time. And if you want some free t-shirts, you hit up that Slashers podcast. They're just whipping them out like it's nobody's business. Whipping them out, you say? You mean like this? Blah, 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 blah. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Damn, that's scary. And that was Damn That Scary on their take on Tromeo and Juliet. So I'm, I'm not sure if you guys were aware, but there were talks of a sequel, which is, you know, pride and prejudice based mm-hmm. that never actually came to fruition. I'm not sure if it was, uh, it was schlock and schlockability. It's schlock and schlockability, which is sense and sensibility, which is another one of my favorite, you know, pastimes. I love that book and I love that movie, but I'm glad they didn't do it. Well, I'm wondering if the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which came out April Fool's Day of 2009, like mired that. Because it would be a, quite a long time afterwards. Mm. But still, the idea, uh, I don't know if you've seen Hamlet 2, for instance, the idea of satirizing Shakespeare's happen and to varying degrees. Obviously, that's Jane Austen, but the idea kind of being there. If we're, if we're saying we're leaving Jane Austen, we're going back and we're doing another trauma-themed Shakespearean work. I want you guys to brainstorm. I'm going to pitch mine while I give you time to come up with your punny titles. It would be Troll Macbeth. And so that would be basically, I, I, do I have to write the whole thing? Or have I given you enough time? No, no I have enough time. I, I, okay, would, I would know what I want them to do. I, I would have to be a play on Twelfth Night. But what would it be say? Twelfth Tro Night? Tro Night? <laughs> like, wait. It would be Tro Melf Night. <laughs> Tromouth night. Oh, I love that. Let me write that down. Where's my pen? <laughs> That's cute. Thank you. Okay, Mikey. Your turn. So when I'm thinking of classic literature, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> cannot be turned into a trauma movie because it would be highly problematic. But just for the sake of this conversation, Charlotte's Web. To kill a trauma bird. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's my favorite that book. So <laughs> awfully dark. Instead of Boo Radley, it'd be Poo Radley, and it would just be some guy like covered in his own feces. <laughs> Ate his shirt. Oh man, that's good. <laughs> so can we talk about this? Uh Gregory Peck, Atticus Finch, wonderful performance. Truly some of the best <laughs> stuff I've ever seen. Um, Ira Levin wrote Boys from Brazil, which is a, a fantastic book. Incredibly ambitious for the time it came out. Really, really good. Movie is fucking terrible, and Gregory Peck is the worst part. So if you're a fan of that franchise, the Lee Harper cinematic universe, do not venture forth into Boys from Brazil. I actually haven't seen the movies, but the book is probably like one of the only books that actually made me cry. Super great book. Oh, it's hard. But yeah, it's good. It's a little long, but it's good. That's a good book, yeah. That's a ninth grade reading level here, so... I mean, it's banned here, so. (laughs) Uh, Or we could do. Of course. (laughs) Because of its problematic use of the word shifferobe. (laughs) 
<laughs> we could also do Lord of the Troma Flies. That's oh, that less problematic. Uh, maybe not. It's a bunch of little boys running around. <laughs> hey, so long as they're 16 Killing and in the bathroom in Ohio, it'll work out oh, just my fine. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, okay. <laughs> and with that, everybody. <laughs> so uh, we're coming up to the end of the episode. Jake, where can people support us? You can support us every which way. You can support us with reviews, which would be hugely helpful. I know that there's been talk. I'm more than willing to read out positive reviews fact is they don't get left with enough frequency to make that its own segment so this is a guilt trip like your I, i'm your jewish mother i don't care that you never call but if you could leave a review that'd be so nice the little the fisher boy down the street leaves reviews for his mom's podcast all the time what do you do but yeah reviews would be helpful money is great too which you could give with patreon.com slash slashers pond uh, that's great because it's actually money that comes to us Unlike our merchandise sales, which goes to Redbubble almost exclusively, and we get nothing. I think, I think the last time we got a check was like less than ten doll hairs. If I'm not mistaken. So it was like eight, eight something. That would be less than ten. So I'm correct. And so yeah. we want you to have high quality. She's not a math teacher. That we don't benefit. Yeah, she's a math <laughs> teacher. You are not, madam. <laughs> a lot or of. If things. you want to do something, if you want to do something super jazzy, you can also. Post about us on your social medias. Send us a screenshot of what you posted and maybe we'll do something for you. Yeah. We got Kofi as well. Buy me a cup of coffee. All those ones. I snagged up the usernames and nobody's ever used them. So I've never pimped them, but I'm all pimp them. If you want, if you have like a coffee fetish where you want to see me get diarrhea from coffee, I'll do it for you. I thought you were drinking drinking coffee. What happened? Rebecca caffeine. I've just been drinking decaf everything. But then I drink uh, other coffee and stuff too. So I had coffee this morning. It was pretty good. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. you know, or it's just not ritualistic caffeine, I guess. So it's not like a daily thing. It's just like I have it, but my ritualistic consumption is decaf. So like I'll have a decaf coffee every day. It might also be in conjunction with a calf coffee. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, but you can always buy our stuff too at slashespod.redbubble.com. Just like Jake was saying, we don't make anything on it because we want you guys to have it. And don't forget about our Friday night. Don't you. Action. Forget about B. (laughs) Movie TV. That was good, Jake. We should hire you for birthday parties. Off the top of my head. Not for singing. (laughs) You are a bitch. Uh... What I love about this is I, I, I've never <laughs> called a woman a bitch, but I have no problem calling a guy a bitch, particularly when he's being one. So this is just working out for me no, no. very well. Let's clarify. You have no problem <laughs> calling a gay man a bitch. No. I've never seen you call Doug a bitch. I have. Oh, okay, yeah. good. But I said it, it with the inflection that I was perhaps of the homoerotic persuasion. Ugh, and you don't. Okay. That, now I know where I stand. This Jeez. bitch. That's the way I said it. So you could. This bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, boys, stop being bitches and let me continue. Anyways. But yeah, we're done, I think. Right? Yeah. So don't forget about You interrupted me to go, um, we're done. Really? Shush. Biatch. See, I couldn't even say it straight. I I tried. Oh, for pizza. I'm sorry. It's getting really hot in this room because it's like a thousand degrees Uh out right now. Now it's time for our OnlyFans episode. Uh, well, no, it's time for like, I shaved my nips for this. at this point. Oh my God. He just opened his shirt. Oh, I don't want to see it. I'm good. I'm <laughs> anyway. So yeah. And don't forget the movie TV, Friday in action, Saturday night Ter- terrors and grandpa oats is on Sundays, which is oh, I'm really hosting dead. Saturday night terrors. I think. Oh, so Jake is hosting our Saturday night terrors this week. That's exciting. But so it'll Jake, be yeah, sure the week, 
before this. So if you're a Patreon okay. patron, I send out the uh, links and also the link okay. to the movie. So and Jake Jake promises to show his nipples on TV at nipples. that point. Shaven yeah. nipples. Just hosted shirtless. That's what I'm hearing. You know what? Jake was so cute when he wore lipstick that one time and that little tank top on that one ad you did. Oh, yeah. I was like, Jake would make such a pretty girl. I so in terms of like I I, there's this some politician guy who wears like a like a man upper part, but then wears like a power skirt with high heels. It's very famous. And I was like, I wish I had that confidence because I would probably wear lipstick because I think my face looks the best with lipstick. I look oh, like yeah. Davey Havoc, total immoral. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, I was totally feeling that. I'm like, who is this boy on my on my phone here with lipstick? I'm like, oh, it's Jake making a little advertisement. So we'll have to send that to you, Mikey, if you haven't seen it. I want to see Slutty Jake. <laughs> I, in that same thing, I played. Call me by your name, Jake. <laughs> played a psychiatrist <laughs> and a patient as well. <laughs> now that I say it out loud, I feel like that might be like a, a character study in my personalities. That was probably my favorite ad, by the way. It's a shame we don't have the shirt. My favorite is nerd. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm happy to be gone with that shirt. That's fine. Well, anyway, so with that, everybody, if you'd like to hear more from us, don't forget to reach out, slasherspot gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at slasherspod. And on behalf of my Jake, I won't say Jakey Poo because he hates it. I would rather you say Jakey shit. Okay. My Jakey shit and my boo-boo <laughs> Mikey. Goodbye and good dive.